Florida stone crabs are finally back in season, and we got them at Bonefish Grill. They're delivered fresh from Florida docks right to our restaurants, and then served the way they're meant to be served, cracked and chilled, ready for dipping in our house-made mustard sauce. These native stone crabs pair perfectly with our handcrafted seasonal cocktails. It's the most delicious time of the year here in Florida. So come into your local Bonefish Grill to claw your way out of ordinary tonight. Good afternoon and welcome to Your Book Garden, a copyrighted show presented by Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Tina Susetic, your host. Today I'm thrilled to welcome New York Times bestselling author J.R. Ward with her newest release, Consumed. She also writes the Black Dagger Brotherhood series as well as other series. She is the number one New York Times bestselling author of the Black Dagger Brotherhood series of vampire books. She is a winner of the prestigious Romance Writers of America Rita Award for Best Paranormal Romance and is a multiple Rita nominee. She's a graduate of Smith College with a double major in history and art history with a medieval concentration in both. And she still longs at times for return to those days sitting in the dark lecture halls looking at slides of old triptychs and relic. I knew I wasn't going to say that right. Relic. <laughs> Queries. You know, I even looked it up online to see how to pronounce it. This is not coming out right. <laughs> Welcome, Jr. Thank you so much for having me, Tina. Could you, before we get going, could you please explain what those two things are? I have, I did not look those up. I just wanted to try to pronounce them correctly. Uh, so, um, one of the advantages of being a medieval, um, a person who has a medieval concentration in both art history and history is you get to look at a lot of wonderful, old, creepy, cool stuff. And so reliquaries are, um, reliquaries, they are oftentimes beautiful pieces of, um, of sculpture and art. Um, they're frequently enameled or cloisonnade, and they hold sacred pieces of saints uh, in them. And so a reliquary oh. would be like you'd have a portion of a finger of a saint or you know, a piece of hair or a bone or you know, something that symbolizes it. So that um, when you would go to the cathedral or the church, um, you could pray to the saint, to an actual piece of them. And they're very beautiful. And sometimes they look like sarcophagi and sometimes they look like basilica, you know, um, so like a basilica, like a church. They're, they're really wonderful. And I think sometimes the things that I see when I do the Black Dagger Brotherhood come from that background. And then a triptych and a dip, uh, or a diptych would be a three or a two panel um, uh, painting that would go behind an altar uh, usually, um, oh, and okay. it would have sort of like um, scenes from the Passion of the Christ or scenes from the Bible, and um, so you know we studied a lot of them um, in in my in my majors, and so it's very, I don't know, I like old things. Hey, you, have you ever got had a chance to actually touch one or see one in person? Yeah, I, do, I don't travel a lot, um, and but when I was younger, I went over to Russia, and um, I saw a number of amazing um, Greek Orthodox um, churches and cathedrals over in Russia, and they had amazing, uh, absolutely breathtaking um, icons and um, 
you know, altarpieces and reliquaries, and it's, it's incredible. It blew me away. And I think that, that I, I went when I was 16, and I think that informed my majors when I made it to college, just that experience of seeing them oh. alive. Oh, so that came before college. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I see that. So it's really just it's really off the subject here because we're here to talk about consumed. Um, before we get into it, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what I you know, read from your bio? Um, well, I always fail at this question because I'm not actually all that interesting. Um, my, <laughs> my stories are, are, fortunately, people find my stories very interesting, but um, writers <clears throat> pretty solitary. And we usually, mm-hmm. yep. you know, we usually tend to be loners and I'm, I'm extremely disciplined. So I write seven days a week and I don't take vacations and um, writing is the highest and best use of my time. It's what I love to do best, but it doesn't make for a very balanced life. It's not like I have wonderful, evocative, like hobbies. Like it's not like I'm a sculptress or an adventurist or like, you know, I don't have any writing is just what I do other than running. And um, so I, I often feel disarmed by that question because I feel like I should, I should have some really exciting answer. And the truth is, is I just like, you know, spend hours a, a day in front of my non-internet hooked up computer typing in my boxer shorts with my dog, which is a great life actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you would have to write that much that often to get as many books written as you have. You have, like, close to 40 books out? Yeah, 40 books, um, short stories, um, yeah, but mostly books. Um, but, yeah, I've been, I've been really lucky, you know. I've been very, very lucky that I found an audience and that they've stuck with me and they seem to like uh, what comes out of my head and the stories keep showing up in my head. So I'm very lucky, and I hope this continues for a long time. You know, it, it, only, it takes another author to understand when you said, you know, the stories pop up in your head and, you know, I don't know, my characters talk to me. I don't know if your characters do, but <laughs> mine, mine talk to me. And unless you're an author, they kind of look at you like, what? <laughs> well, I think mine, I don't know if they exactly talk to me. What, what, what I have are um, DVDs that run in my head all the time. So all of these scenes from books that I'm writing or I'm going to write, they're always with me, images and snippets and longer movies. And so my job is really to put them into some sort of chronological order that makes sense. Um, because sometimes like, I'll see something and I'll be like, I don't know how that fits in. It's like the coffins that are in the garage at the mansion for the BDB books. And I'm like, I don't really, I suspect I know what's in them, but I don't really know. But I know if I keep seeing something over and over again in the world, eventually it's going to mean something. Um, you know, sometimes we have people listening in that are trying to get published and they might be interested in knowing, yeah. um, you know, how long did it take you to get, you know, from the first, from the time you started, you know, um, submitting to when you got your first book. Um, I was I was very very lucky. I was disproportionately lucky. Um, I submitted to an agent, and she um, wanted to represent me, and was able to get me a deal. I mean, it happened very quickly. Um, I had submitted a couple of partials. Granted, this was like back 150 million years ago, so the situation was very, the market was very different. How books were distributed were very different. So, I mean, it's it's almost not, it almost has no relevancy at all compared to things the way they are now. But 
um, I was very, very lucky. Um, I did, however, get fired by my first publisher. Um, and by fired, what I mean is, is they didn't renew my contract because my books, although the first four Jessica Bird books were very uh, critically uh, acclaimed and did find a little bit of a readership, they really were not profitable. And this, and being published, um, you know, particularly if you're traditionally published um, and they've given you advances, you, you, it's a business. So they were right to yeah. let me go. Yeah. So even though I had the experience of being picked up very quickly. I also had the experience of being let go after four books and having to reinvent myself. And um, it was through the reinvention that I, the Black Tiger Brotherhood showed uh, showed up in my head and J.R. Ward, you know, I I created the name J.R. Ward because I wanted to make it very clear that this was a different kind of book than my first four. And, you know, so, but, so I've seen, I've seen it both. I've, I've had a really great suck of luck and then I got scared that it was all over after four books, you know, so I've had both sides. Yeah, that would, yeah, that would that that would be scary because you start questioning yourself. You know, am I am I going to be able to do this? You know, can I start over? Yeah. And you know, yeah. the self doubt that authors have is just you know, I have days like, why do I think I can do this? You know, who who, who said you? But could you know, do honestly, this? you know, <laughs> you know, even after like, I, I mean, I've hit number one on the New York Times list a number of times. I've sold, what is it, sixteen, seventeen million books now. I still have days like oh, that. Oh wow. I still have days where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is writing like crap. I don't know whether, you know, what happens if I'm losing, going to lose my market share? Like what happens? What's my, because now I have a brand. So it's like, what does all that mean? So I think you're absolutely right. I think that if you care so deeply about something, because this is not, we're not just making widgets. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're not just, we're not like um, mechanized machinery, you know, um, I know most authors feel real connection to their work. So I think it brings in another emotional level to things that some other businesses don't. But at the end of the day, it is still a business. You do still have to justify those advances. You do have to like make your targets. Um, so it's, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. It gets intense. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't, you know, understand that because, you know, sometimes they're, oh, if I had the time, I'd write a book. And it's like, well, go ahead. <laughs> what's, what's stopping you? You know. So, yeah, right, 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 um, right. Yeah, and sometimes I tell people writing the book is actually the easy part. It's the editing and the promotion and all the stuff that the business yeah. stuff that follows for me yeah. is the hard part. It's like, oh. Yeah. So let's get into um, consumed, which is why um, you are here today. Um, I love the book, and right off the bat, I want to ask you: Is this a new series? Um, there are many books in the world. Um, yes, it's true. Um, and I want to continue to explore the world and get to know the people that we introduced more deeply. And I think one of the things mm-hmm. that I love about Simon & Schuster is my new publisher is that um, they really think out of the box and they're very quick and very nimble. So one of the things that was important to me is that we offer some less expensive options to my readers, you know, because those big hardcovers are quite expensive and the prices don't come down for six or eight months. So I also look forward to doing um, some eBooks in the world at lower price points that are, will be really good entrees as well into the world. I, I read that um, Pop, Sugar, Pop Sugar named this one of the sexiest books to read in October. And I would have to, I, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, and before we talk about it, do you want to tell us what Consumed is about? I love it. So, um, 
one of the oh I'm so and thank you thank you for reading it um and thank you for 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 being kind um so one of the things that has always interested me um is how a woman makes it in a, a male dominated um industry is the wrong word, profession. Um, and so Anne was really a product of my, you know, I, I, I'm fortunate enough to know a lot of members of law enforcement and, and, you know, law enforcement and EMTs and firefighters. And, you know, it's like, what, what is a woman's journey through those professions? Um, and so Anne Ashburn, who's the heroine, um, is really a product of my fascination of what it takes to really not you're not competing with men but there are physical requirements to the to a job of being a firefighter that you cannot get around you know so you have to be physically fit you have to be physically confident so it kind of is like what happens if the ability to perform physically is taken away from someone who loves that job and a woman specifically who loves that job and, and what are the changes she goes through and how does she reinvent herself and her life and and also at the same time how does she forge an intimate relationship with someone who's still in that profession so it really is coming across from like sort of the a powerful woman um who's forced to be really resourceful and to find another path while falling in love well one of the things that i thought of have you ever been to the police academy i um, i i've never the writers police academy one. Oh no okay. no no i didn't even know there was one yeah. Yeah, the Writers Police Academy, it's in Green Bay every year in August and it's a wonderful it's geared towards writers and we all the speakers are are either instructors at the police academy or they are policemen oh, so or cool. they are firemen and it it is amazing. And one of the things that that made me think of this is when you talked about Anne and when she lost the job that she loved to do. And one of the classes I took touched on that and how firemen and policemen and, and military when they lose because it's such an intense job it's mm-hmm, their identity mm-hmm, and when mm-hmm. they lose that identity oh, yeah. they don't know what yeah. to do and 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 definitely had to go through that you know well I mean I think so and was, I think what's really interesting yeah and I think what's really interesting about exactly as you were saying is that someone who is attracted to that kind of job who who enjoys being um, challenged in those ways and then suddenly where else are you going to get that from do you know what I mean it's like if you're an accountant yep. and you like filling in forms and you like you know processing numbers there are loads of jobs available to you uh, that don't require <laughs> I laugh you my husband's a CPA to... oh sorry which is not <laughs> um, and, but you know it's, it's sort of like it's a very unique it's sort of like they're ad- adrenaline junkies and it's like where yes. you're, you're in that mm-hmm. job because you have like a public safety commitment, but you're also an adrenaline junkie. So where do you go with that, you know? And it, and it does create a lot of um, suicides among oh, that yeah. creates, but there are yeah. a lot of suicides because, because of that. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah. If you ever get a chance to go to the Writers Police Academy, I highly, highly recommend it. But you really did a good job, you know, having Anne go through that, you know, her identity was gone and, and recreating herself, um, you know, was, you did an excellent job with that. Um, I had a bit research and then you've got, for that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and then you've got Danny McGuire. Oh, Danny. Mm. Hot, hot, sexy. <laughs> 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 
My job does not you, suck. Um, I loved Danny. <laughs> I thought that Danny was just the right combination of unhinged and principled at the same time. And that was the other thing mm-hmm. that was interesting for me about exploring this was that he also had his own journey to go on. Um, because I think um, I, I, to do research for the book, I was fortunate enough to be able to go and um, talk to firefighters in my hometown and to talk to their leadership and, you know, really – um, sort of get to know their job and what they do. And I, I asked them, like, how do you deal with, and I, PTSD is this term that's thrown around quite loosely in the vernacular these days, but, you know, how do you deal with the emotional stress of, because the things they see on the job are just, some of them are incomprehensible to me. Um, yeah. And so talking to him about how, you know, modern firefighting in particular deals with things like PTSD and, and those kind of things and how they support their, 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 um, the people they work with and themselves, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better paradigm than it was in the past, you know, a, a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're much more much more aware of, of what is going on with these men and men and women. And and women actually process it differently than men do. But it's one of the mm-hmm. things I learned mm-hmm. in this class I talk. So um uh you know, I kinda thought that that Danny, even though he was, you know, on the one hand he was a strong uh, sure of himself, and on the other hand, I kind of thought of him about, kind of like a little boy lost when it came to Anne. Yeah. Yeah. Am I am yeah. I wrong? I mean I, I <laughs> I, I think so because I think that what Anne represents to Danny is um, one of the things that true love brings you is a stranger who becomes family. And I think with Danny having lost his brother, um, I think the idea of uh, he's he, Danny's a bit root, rootless, you know, all of his roommates are out. Um, everyone seems to be transitioning into a more mature phase of their life. And he's sort of stuck in, in, in a very lonely, isolated, badly processed place. And Anne, in some ways, is his salvation. Just in some ways, he's her salvation. But that can be yeah, a scary, I, scary I, thing to be and a scary thing to find. You know, and as I was reading it, it was like there are parts that made me – there are actually parts that made me cry. I mean, the, the scene where oh, she gets yeah. – uh, it was just like, oh, my God, that scene just keeps me playing in my head over and over. <laughs> you know, there was times where, you know, I I, I, I laughed, especially I, I did read um, the prequels, Wedding from Hell and Wedding from Hell yeah. 2, yeah. which tells about how they got involved in stuff. And, you know, um, there were times where I was worried, a little bit scared, and then I was intrigued, um, you know, on, you know, who was, you know, th- there was a mystery to it. There, were, there was mystery in the book. And, uh, I mean, you pretty much covered the gamma of emotions, with me anyway, you know, and to me, that's a good book when you're just, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen on the next page and how you're going to feel. And uh, I thank you for that. <laughs> well, I'm very grateful. That means I did my job. Um, one of the things that mm-hmm. I always say about myself is I feel like I'm just the first reader. So my job as an author, I feel, is to transcribe or not transcribe that's maybe the wrong word but like if I can describe the pictures that I see in my head in such a way that if someone reads them they can approximate the experience of seeing those as vividly as I do then I feel like I've done my job but because I feel that these stories are kind of revealed to me I don't I don't feel like I plan anything I don't 
I mean, I'm not a seat of the panther. I mean, I like to know what I'm doing. Um, Like I outline extensively. I stick to my outlines. I do a lot of thinking in my outlines in terms of how, how to balance the different plot lines and how to balance the emotional highs and lows of, of a book. But I feel like, I'm, if I know if I'm shocked, if I'm laughing, if I'm upset, if I'm worried, then if I do my job, the reader will, will feel the same way. Um, so for me, it's very much a process of just describing what I'm, what I'm, what I'm being shown in my head and, and, and taking the readers along the ride with me. So I felt exactly as you did um, when I was writing it. Yeah. You know, in the in you know, in the scene where, you know, the fire scene, it was like you, you did such a good job with your descriptions that it was like, you know, I almost felt like I could smell the smoke and, you know, and, and feel the heat and, and 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 the panic. I mean Danny's panic and her oh. panic and it was just oh, intense. <laughs> Very intense. I mean, my editor um read read the partial, you know, as she was bidding on it and, and she got she said she she got, you know, further into that scene and she was like, oh, no, 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 I don't think we can do this. We can't. No, this is not yeah. happening. <laughs> this is not happening. And then and then she was like, oh, no, it's happening. It's happening. It was really funny when she described it to me. Yeah. Even even now thinking about it, I'm feeling myself like, oh. oh. <laughs> See, and I'm claustrophobic. I have like that claustrophobic wow. thing, too. So I'm like, oh, that was not fun to write. Not fun to edit. Not fun oh. to be in there. Yeah, I, I I could imagine that would be that you know that would be hard. Um, yeah, I you know, and this book just came out October second, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would you know I would like I said I would usually if if I really really like a book you know I have a keeper shelf which a lot of us do, and um, you will be on my keeper shelf except I I do have to make sure that my reader friends author friends read this so <laughs> I will pass it on with my name in the cover so. <laughs> Um, oh, I'm so grateful. Can, yeah. Um, and, you know, why did did you do the prequel first or did you write Consume first and then go back? I mean, the, the well, Wedding so, from Hell and uh, Wedding from Hell too. Well, so I wrote uh, Consumed first and um, we wanted to give readers a sense of Danny and Anne and the world before Consumed came out, because it is a new series, and we wanted to make sure that we, you know, got people excited and also gave them idea about what they were going to find. And I, what I love about Simon & Schuster, again, is that they're really innovative. And so they're like, all right, brace yourself. They were like, we want to give some content away for free. And I was like, I love that. I was like, my readers have, have really supported me. I'm like, anything I can do to give back to them is something I am more than willing to, 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 to participate in. And so those two prequels were actually written after consumed was in the can. Um, but it was so much fun to, to show like the first hookup and yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. I, 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 Obviously, I read Consumed first, and then I went back and read those two, and it's like, ah, this is what happens. And, you know, bringing in the other characters, and then things start making a little bit, you know, like, oh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. So this is where we are. <laughs> Miller. So, um, can we go on and talk a little bit about um, your Black Dagger Brotherhood? Oh, I know it's not yes, thank you. a new series, but it's a new series to me, and I've never really been a fan of um, vampire, vampire books. Yeah. 
But I am reading Dark Lover, and it's like, okay, these characters have some kind of magic that they're now in my head, and no matter what I'm doing, <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about them and what's going to happen, and, and uh, I'm like trying to figure out how, how and when I'm going to find the time to read all the rest of them, because there's how many in the series now? Well, you see, and it's interesting. There, I think there are 17 and a half now. Um, but, but you know what oh. I'm thinking about in the future is I want to, I mean, of course, my publisher has to get on board with this, but I think one of the great things about the Black Dagger Brotherhood series is that there is so much of it. One of the daunting things for new readers is that there's so much of it. Uh, so oh, yeah. been, I was very fortunate for you know, that a lot of my readers have stuck with me through 17 books, which is just absolutely amazing. And no, I don't have any plans to stop writing them. Um, but I was thinking, apropos of what you said, which is um, maybe, so I've done some eBooks that are in the world, um, but are um, not part of the larger canon of books. So um, Dearest Ivy came out um, in April of this past year, and it's an ebook. It's like two ninety nine, and it's forty thousand words, and it's a love story um, that readers have really embraced um, in the Black Dagger Brotherhood world. And then um, I, in January, I have a book called um, Prisoner of Night coming out. It's an ebook only. It's sixty thousand words, but again, it's a story that takes place in the Black Dagger Brotherhood world. But it does not require you to get through 17 books to understand it. It's, it's really, you know, characters and people living their lives in this world, but it's at a much more accessible entry point so that people don't have to be like, like, cause when the new books come out uh, every year for the big BDB books, like there are readers who start at dark lover and read all the way through. And it's like, wow, that is, wow. You know, that's, that's a daunting <laughs> thing. And then I'm also thinking about like, so I, I did a, um, a, a mini series in the world called the BDB Legacies, and so those are only three books right now. We might do a fourth, um, where you can just sort of hop in and and read the first and and catch that wave and ride it, but not have to. You know, obviously, I hope that people would read the big ones, but I do think that I want to start thinking creatively so that new readers can join the fun and get in the world and get all the good parts about it, but not feel like they have to get through 17 books if they don't want to, you know? Yeah. 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 Cause I looked at them going, wow, that's a lot of books. I'm having yeah. surgery in November. I thought, well, I could, I could, you know, I'll have lots of time <laughs> to read. I'm sorry you I keep thinking I'm going to get some, I keep thinking I'm going to get some writing done. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be on drugs for a little bit, you know, but it might be kind of fun <laughs> to get some writing while I'm on drugs and see what comes out of my head. <laughs> see what comes out. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> might be pretty interesting. Um, but, yeah, they, uh, you know, it, it, I think from the first page you had me, you know, you, you had me hooked. And, and the names, the, the way you spelled the names for some of the characters, um, and of course, right off the top of my head, I can't think of the name. So, but like rage with uh, an H and vicious with the S's and Zetus and, yeah. and Zetus with a Z. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was I thought that because it was. I'm one of them going. Oh, I got it. Oh. <laughs> Reading it over a couple of times in my head, going, Oh, look at that. Yeah, Tor is. Uh, um, well, that's his nickname. Torment. Um, yeah, 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 tor- yeah, torment. But T T O H R. Yeah, it was. I thought that was uh-huh. that was pretty uh-huh. clever how you how you did that. So I am. 
Um, yeah, I am. I am really enjoying it. But here's a question for you: You have please forty books. You have how many different series? Um, a lot. <laughs> oh, um, um, well, actually, I've had so I have the BD, the big BDBs and then the Bourbon Kings. And again, that's a closed three book series. It's over with. And the Fallen Angels, which was a five book closed series. And then wasn't there a um, wasn't there another one in there? I thought maybe I was wrong. So, well, um, and then Jessica well, the Burt. The Jessica... Yeah. I'm sorry. Hello. Um, yeah, I'm here. Are you here? Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Right there. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I know when I'm 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 working on a you know on a book, and sometimes I have trouble remembering my characters' names within the book. How do you? What do you use, or how do you keep these? Because you don't have just one or two characters in a book. You have a lot, and I'm like, how well, do you keep that straight? <laughs> um, well, I so I had. When I when I, when when the when the brother showed up in my head, I had ten books uh, right away, and I knew what the books were going to be about, and I knew who the people were going to be, and I knew how it was going to end up. And I sat down with my then editor, who I just still adore; she's amazing. Um, and I started to describe the whole thing. And so, an hour after I finished speaking, she just sat back and she said, "Tell me." that you have all this written down. I'm like, no, it's all in my head. <laughs> she had this look on her face like, good God, I hope this woman doesn't get mowed down by a bus after lunch. Um, <laughs> so for me, it's sort of like, you know how if you grow up in a hometown and you know everyone's history and you know everyone's stories, it's not that hard to keep it keep it straight? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like sense. that for me. You know what? We only have, we don't have very much time left here. We only have like maybe 30 seconds left here. So um, I wish we had more time because this has been very interesting and I hope we meet someday like at RWA or, you know, something like that. So thank you so much for uh, joining me today. Thank you so much, Tina. Okay. And uh, join me on November 13th when I'll have Nancy Nagel on talking about her Christmas book, Christmas Joy. Until then, read on, my lovelies. Thank you. Thank you. We sat down with Johnny Caraba, the founder of Caraba's Italian Grill, to talk about the unique dining experience at his restaurants. We wanted to have an open kitchen because at my grandmother's house, we'd all gather in the kitchen and watch her cook. If you go to a Caraba's, you have people cooking, sauteing, but they're part of the dining experience, and that was not by accident. Experience Caraba's new fall specials tonight, like rigatoni martino and prosciutto and fontina stuffed pork chop. Plus, during our wine harvest, get $10 off bottles of wine throughout October, only at Carabas. Progressive presents Get Pumped, inspiration to help you do insurance stuff. Okay, time out. You're going to let your budget be the boss of you? Take control with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Tell us what you want to pay for car insurance, and we'll help you find options that fit your budget. Here's some music to get you pumped. I hear your budget laughing at you. Oh, wait, that's just those kids laughing at me. Ignore them! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.